welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that looks at the different works and inspirations of creators both within and without the Star Wars galaxy. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And this week we are going to be uh, jumping, I guess, on a bandwagon, but uh, with our own unique spin and our own unique look on uh, Justice League, a small movie everybody may have heard of. Uh, but before we get into that, of course, you can reach us on facebook.com slash the nerd party. You can reach us over on Twitter at join nerd party on Instagram where the nerd party use the hashtag great shot kid and let us know what you think of what we say and what you'd like to add to the conversation. So all of that out of the way, Mike, uh, here we are with Justice League. Yeah, written by Chris Terrio, who is uh, going to be writing Star Wars Episode Nine, along with J.J. Abrams, co-written yes. by Joss Whedon, or rewritten by Joss Re- Whedon, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's the there's the whole A.N.D. versus ampersand thing, and so it's Chris Terrio, A.N.D. Joss Whedon. So yeah, and we all know the production history because you can't not know those things anymore. So there you go. So okay, well let's get the. 30-second review of the movie out of the way, or less. Take less time if you want to. Where did you fall with Justice League, for anybody that doesn't know? I thought that it was mildly entertaining, but lacked vision. Lacked vision. Okay. Uh, You know, that's fair enough. I thought that it was entertaining. It's a movie that I would revisit. I got some laughs. I uh, enjoyed some scenes more than others. I thought that there were some genuinely uh, inspired parts to uh, to the movie as a whole, but I I agree that it didn't gel quite the way that uh, you would want your your film to gel uh, at the end of the day. So I think we're we're roughly on the same. I think I went up with a slightly more positive view because we we've talked about it before this. Just for comparison's sake, to give people an idea, I came out of Thor Ragnarok. Everybody loved Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I was like, meh. Most people came out of Justice League saying, kick it, burn it, destroy it. This is a terrible movie. And I came out of it saying, I had a good time. I liked it. So, Yeah, I came out of Thor Ragnarok being like, oh, this is funny. I love this. This is good. I like this very much. And, you know, it's very charming and you know, kind of uh, punk and, and, and cool and all that stuff. Hmm. And I came out of Justice League thinking, like, I wanted to laugh. I was entertained, and yet, wow, this is not what we were promised by Batman versus Superman. And I really, really wish that they would have embraced their questionable choices and run with them instead of saying... Maybe we made a bad choice. Let's do something that everyone's going to want to see instead of something that we want to do. And I think by doing that, what we got was extremely bland. I mean, when the movie ended, I was like, that, that was it? That's it? That's what? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, I cool. think that um, 
there, there's of course validity to what you're saying. I, you know, there are definitely parts where I think you could have a lot of fun with this, uh, much like Rogue One, where you could be like, was this a reshoot or not? And you can, you know, <laughs> like just look at the lighting keys and be like, yeah, that doesn't quite line up. Just um, look at the or, upper lips. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I still don't get that whole thing. That just doesn't make. But see, the thing is, I think I'm the only person in the world that saw it and was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like it didn't, it didn't pull me out at all. I didn't care. I was like, yeah, all right. Like, I mean, I I, 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 I guess, I guess to me, I wasn't like, oh my god, my eyes, you know. But to me, it was really like, wow, that's really noticeable. And okay, so this was reshot. Okay, well, that's you know. So like the whole yeah. time, I was like trying to think of, I was thinking of like the history of it. But I mean, boy, the character of Superman is kind of non-existent in this. I guess all of them are, but like Superman in particular, like I'm thinking about it, and it's like. First off, they totally botched his return, okay? Like, that should have been a huge deal. That should have been a whole movie. I mean, I spent my entire, uh, you know, 13-year-old summer, you know, reading Reign of the Supermen. The whole summer was spent with Superman yeah. returning. It was, a, it was, it, my life revolved around that event. And in this one, they're like, well, maybe if we put the thing in the thing, then we can bring him back. And then they do, and they're like, he's kind of weird. And then, like, he has a chat with Lois Lane, and then it's like, oh, it's, it's all good now. And then, like, the whole time I'm like, is he going to, like, at some point, is he going to be weird again? Is he going to turn? And then, like, he has, like, two scenes of, like, norm, but the whole time he felt like an observer. He was not, like, the core. You know, you had, like, Batman and Wonder Woman, and he was just like, well, we got Superman now, too. You know, like we got the Aquaman guy and we got the Flash guy and the Cyborg guy. I don't even know why we have him. And we got the <laughs> Superman guy, wait, too. Wait, wait, wait. Cyborg, Cyborg guy was very, very useful uh, in terms of relaying plot points mm-hmm. and uh, sleuthing things out. And the thing is, that sounds terribly dismissive. I actually uh, liked Cyborg overall. I actually kind of fell in love with Aquaman. Like I There's, really want to see an Aquaman movie now. Well, I thought he guess was what? Funny. You, you're going to have that opportunity. It's coming up Boom. really soon. <laughs> there, there. From the you director go. of Furious Seven. So hey, hey, you know, hey, that that's working for him. No, I thought I thought Momoa had fun and it came across. I think that it succeeded in spite of itself. But as I play things back in my mind, and I, I'm listening to what you're saying about, he just goes off and he he has you know, a couple of moments and he's like, okay, I'm fine. That to me is the hugest sign of tinkering because if there's one thing I've learned from a Zack Snyder film, it's that he likes to take his time. And I know that if Snyder had been on board from beginning to finish, like I would love to read the original script for this by Terrio because I know there would have been much more Superman uh, development. This This is a two and a half to three hour movie that was cut down to two hours. And I think it shows. I feel like if they would have shot this Lord of the Rings style with Batman versus Superman, like simultaneously, if they did like two movies at the same time and they weren't like trying to redo what they were doing in order to make it less Batman versus Superman and more Avengers, Mm -hmm. it would have ended up being a substantially better movie because it would have been something that they actually 
wanted and planned to do instead of, you know, just like damage control, you know? All right. So, but, but looking at it from that angle, we know that Terrio wrote the original incarnation of this. Were there moments that jumped out at you where you, you, you detected Terrio's thumbprint on this? You know, this is, this is a, a, a Terrio script. And so even being chopped up and rewritten, it's going to come through. It's in its DNA. Did you see anything where you could say that, you know, knowing Terrio's previous work, that's a Terrio moment versus that's a Whedon moment? I definitely noticed the Whedon moments more, I think, because they stood out more. You know, I mean, the fact that, like, you know, it's so different from, from Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. And yeah. the fact that Whedon has a very, very distinct style really kind of, like, you know, highlights what it is that he added to it. But I think what I see in terms of Terrio's involvement more than anything is just the skeleton, you know? Like, plot point A happens, plot point B happens, plot point C happens, you know? And, like, all of that is there, and really what's changed is the connective tissue, like everything that sort of makes the movie the movie. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. I mean, okay. you just like lay it out on paper and say like, well, Batman and Wonder Woman try to put together a team to uh, fight off this weird CGI guy. And, you know, then they bring Superman back to life and then they form the Justice League and defeat this CGI guy. And then the movie ends. And it's like, OK, yeah, I can totally see that, you know, as being a, a you know, a, a logical extension of Batman versus Superman dawn of justice right but then you you watch the actual movie and you're like this really feels like a cartoon like whereas the other one was like really really somber and you know dark and everything like this one is like hey what's going on guys let's have some fun this was this was always supposed to be the payoff though i mean like if you believe what Snyder said at the beginning, this, this was always going to be the payoff. Yeah. This was the end of the arc. This was the return of the Jedi. Even Superman's uh, costume looks brighter in this one. If you believe so, what Zack Snyder says, then yes, that's true. I don't believe that for a second. I do not believe that for a split second. Superman really? could fly around the world and I still, I, he, he wouldn't be back <laughs> by the time I stopped believing that. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, like people would point to like, oh, you know, because they were like really ambitious about this whole thing. And they were showing like storyboards and stuff for this movie before Batman versus Superman came out. And people were like this stuff like I think it was because there was the whole thing where he flew the critics who hated Batman versus Superman to the set to say, like, look, guys. We're doing something different this time. And like the people who were there, for one thing, they said that they didn't buy it. But also, you know, they said that like they were shown like production art and stuff like that. And it's like this stuff, this production art is much more in line with Batman versus Superman. And you can see on the date of the production art that it was created prior to the release of Batman versus Superman and they really were under the impression that it had been lightened up after Batman versus Superman had come out you know i mean whether or not that's actually true i don't know but that's i mean it it just it just makes sense it just makes sense you know 
but but what then can Terrio do? I mean, th- this is one of those things where I always wonder in terms of a writer's resume. Does this give? Does this therefore give us no indication of what to expect? Like, do we have to continually go back to Argo or Batman v Superman for any true inkling of what to expect from Terrio in terms of plotting and character and dialogue for Episode Nine? Because he's going to be working again in the studio system where, you know, forgive me for saying this, but Kathleen Kennedy fires people like George Steinbrenner does. And it's one of those. And he's going to be working with J.J. Abrams, who he's is really going to be under a microscope in terms of what originality he brings to the table. Like, do we does Justice League wind up being a wash? Does this wind up no longer being a signpost toward what we can expect? Or are there still things about this? that that indicate what we could look forward to. I think that the difference is that Chris Terrio is the Joss Whedon of episode nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and uh, Colin Trevorrow is the Chris Terrio of episode nine. You, you know what I mean? Like okay. the roles, the roles have reversed. So he's no longer the guy who's going to be rewritten. He's the guy who's doing the rewriting, right? Which I think... I mean, is probably more similar to the role that he had on Batman versus Superman. Like, I'm pretty sure that Goyer wrote the original script of that one, and then Terrio came in to rewrite it. I want to say. Oh, that's right, because because there was you're right because there was uh, a few eyebrows raised because Terrio's relationship with Affleck gave right. rise to everybody saying Affleck came on board and was like, "This doesn't work for me," and had his guy come in and tinker. Yeah. So I, I I I do really think that probably, I mean, you would almost think like, well, like if there wasn't any tinkering by by Whedon, then I'd say this is probably a better indication because it's like pure Terrio, whereas the other one is Terrio over Goyer. But I mean, I guess I mean, yeah. So I mean, Batman versus Superman might be a better indication of of what he brings to the table. But at the same time, I've got to think that you know. Joss Whedon is not like looking at Batman versus Superman saying like, oh, okay. He's looking at Argo, you know, he's looking at, you know, the thing that Terrio won his Oscar for, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So I, and, and, and Argo to me is also why I'm like, Hey, you know, I mean, as much as I like Batman versus Superman and I do like it a lot, you know, I, 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 it's it's our it's it's all about Argo. I mean that movie is so good, you know, and it's so well. Okay, written. see see the thing is the, the the lingering the lingering thing hovering over, and this this is the ultimate endorsement that I can give of Justice League, and this is a big statement. Is you've been using as as this dark cloud threat. It's it's almost like a nuclear weapon threat to me. <laughs> that as part of our examinations of things, we would be revisiting Batman versus Superman, which yeah. is something that that. <laughs> I really would have rather drank like a gallon of bleach than do. I'm I enjoy Justice League enough that I'm willing to go back and give Batman versus Superman another shake. Okay. And see I don't think I'm ever going to be at the level where I'm like, hey, I really love this, but I think I could come out I'm curious to see if I come out of it saying, Okay, it's not it's not I've seen worse. You know, like that sort of thing. And, you know, recently I did where I saw, um, well, almost equally as bad, I guess, Mystic River, which, wow, I don't get that. But uh, I'm willing to go back with Batman versus Superman. What is it that I'm missing? Is there something 
what magic am I missing with that? I mean, so long as we're talking about Terrio movies. Like, Argo, I'm on board. I love Argo. What am I missing? What What is it that's not lighting on fire for me in this movie? I mean, let's not go overboard here. I wouldn't call Batman versus Superman magic. I mean, Batman versus Superman is more like a clever illusion, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's magic? It's a card trick? I don't know. Ma- <laughs> come, magic, come on, you know? Um, but no, I mean, it, <laughs> Batman versus Superman, I have trouble articulating why I like this movie. <laughs> okay, that's a problem, maybe. I mean, I've, I've never, I've never been like head over heels in love with the movie, but every time I watch it, I'm engaged, you know. And there are things about it that I really like. There are things about it that I think are really dumb as well. But on the whole, I think that it is kind of an interesting little piece of world building. I'm always interested to see, you know, the the modern take on Batman. I think that that's, I, I see Batman kind of like I do the same the same way I see Star Trek in a lot of ways, where I think that mm-hmm. Batman is kind of like a reflection of the world that we're living in in a lot of ways. And yeah, it's kind yeah, you totally. know I mean going back to like you know even like Dark Knight Returns and everything in the eighties yeah I mean all of that you know and. It's interesting to see, like, this is the direction that we tend to go into now for Batman. And it's it's, it's weird because I'm like, I kind of don't like this guy, you know? I kind of don't like him at all. <laughs> and maybe that says something about the world that we're living in now, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. I think that there really is something to that. And... Um, I, but I find it fascinating regardless, you know? I, I like the the yeah. idea, and, and I also find it fascinating just because of the idea of it's like okay, we're coming off of the best version of Batman in history, where where like I mean Nolan does this mic drop where it's like beat that, you know, it's like the end yeah. of the end of uh, you know Eight Mile or whatever, and it's <laughs> like there's no there's nothing that you can do. There's n- nobody could come in and do anything where you wouldn't say like nah, you know. So you got to do yeah. something super weird and crazy. And I think that they tried their best and they tried to go big. They tried to you know like, but you can't. You can't get over that. You can't. There's no way that you can get a over or around what Nolan did and but it's it's fascinating to see them try you know but don't but okay but isn't that then just an offshoot of the same problem that they wind up having in Man of Steel with Superman where they try to do something different but Superman exists in a very certain definition for most audiences and most audiences go in and they see Man of Steel and they're like, "That's not quite right." I guess, like, don't, isn't it? Isn't it the same thing? I mean, like, if anything, the image of Superman had calcified even more than it had previously, because or than Batman had, because it had so much time to just sit there and be in cement. It is what it is. I guess the thing about Superman is, yeah, well, that's true. Superman does tend to be kind of like the same thing all the time, and Man of Steel was definitely a different take on it. I, I, I mean, let's face facts. I mean, the character of Superman isn't as good as the character of Batman, right? Well, that's true. So that's just factually true. I know, right? I mean, it's yeah. kind of it's he's kind of a boring character. So, 
I mean, you know, certainly there's good things about him and, and all that stuff, but it's not, I mean, like Batman has so many layers and Superman is just kind of like, I'm super powerful and, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's just, it's, he's just there. Well, so Yeah, well, that, well, that that's sort of that's sort of the thing you wind up with too, with with the fact that they have all of these people. I mean, you know, there was a moment during Justice League where I was watching it, and they, you know, they they make a couple of jokes at the expense of like how Batman's just the one regular guy. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, yeah, here we are. We, we've created this world where basically like gods are fighting each other, but this guy's going to jump in. Wow, you, you can't root this in reality at all. Because the whole time I'm yeah. sitting there, I'm like, that he breaks like an egg. The second yeah. he walks out here, he's done. He's finished. I don't care what armor you have. Well, the armor will stand up. Everything inside is going to be scrambled. You know, like, that's just, yeah. that. that's why you can't be in reality. And I think that that is the thing where they, like, like I see Man, I see Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman trying to root Superman, all of these superpowers in this borrowed reality like it doesn't it's trying to tell me that this is the way the world is but I know that it can't exist this way because of these people and I think that that is one of the things where I don't understand what what is the what is it that made it work for the Avengers but not work as well for Justice League what is the thing that broke along the way what is the difference between the two of them? Because if anything, Marvel sells itself on the idea that these are real heroes in the real world fighting real problems of giant monsters. But for some reason, they're able to sell the idea of their believability more. Why? Well, I think two things. One, I think they had to work harder at it because everybody knows Batman and Superman. And I think that DC just kind of took that for granted. You know, like... We've got Batman, we've got Superman, what more do you need, you know? And yeah. with Marvel, it's like, who, I mean, really, who's Captain America? When's the last time you read a Captain America comic book, you know? Oh, I know. And yeah. and, and Iron Man, and, and they don't have Spider-Man, and they don't have the X-Men, and they don't have Fantastic Four, and you're already, this is kind of a B-team. So you've got to build all that stuff from the ground up, and by doing that, you really earn it. And, you know, they didn't do that with DC. You know, I mean, I thought that, like, I initially was kind of, like, on board with their take. Like, oh, okay, you just kind of kind of build. You're going to add, start with Superman, add Batman. From there, add Wonder Woman. From there, add Flash and Aquaman and, and Cyborg. And then, you know, then let them do their own things. Like, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that i mean that's what x-men did right it worked perfectly fine for them but i think the idea here is that they you know whereas x-men is like this is a team you know like x-men yeah. is like is like a baseball team you know, you know where where <laughs> yes. you know everyone has a role and they work together in order to you know achieve their goal whereas i feel like the justice league is like a basketball team where it's like you've got like, you know, I like this. Three. I like where you're going. I like where you're going with this. I do. You've got you've got you, you've got like a Kobe and a Shaq and maybe there's Larry Bird on there. And yeah, it, no, you know what? It's like the dream team that 1992 Olympics. Team. Yeah, that's who they are. Mm -hmm. You're right. They're the dream yeah. team. Yeah. And yeah. and if you don't know, like going into it, 
you know, if you don't know who Chris Mullins is, you're going to be like, why is he playing there with Michael Jordan and, and Magic <laughs> right. Johnson? Right. You know, I mean, like, like that's that's kind of like how how it goes, right? Yeah. So yeah, I I I don't I don't know I don't know it it it, it I think that they 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 really drop the ball, but in terms of like the believability and, and everything, like. You're saying like you know Marvel's like basing it on you know like this is a real world or whatever. I I, I almost think that the, the reason why it works, the reason why we buy the reality, is because the opposite is true. Like DC is like we're putting our characters into the real world, and if this stuff were to actually happen, it would be serious and dark and messed up, and that's what we're going to show. And that's what they did in Dark Knight, but. Dark Knight, you're not trying to add supernatural elements to these things. You're just trying to do it straight, essentially, just kind of amped a little bit. But with Marvel, I feel like there's always been sort of this like tongue-in-cheek thing. Like it's like, hey, this is a fun version of reality where, you know, mm-hmm. superheroes exist. And by doing that, you're like establishing like a a a type of world in which these characters can exist. These characters yeah. cannot exist in our reality. And when you try to put them in our reality, we reject it. I think that you're you're spot on with that. And I think that the branching point here is Watchmen. Yeah. Is specifically Watchmen. Because Watchmen does exactly that. And we know Snyder worked on Watchmen. Yeah. And Watchmen does exactly that. It brings in... They are in the real world, and oh gosh, how terrible it really would be if you think about it yeah. to have these people in here, whereas Marvel spins it around and says, it's reality, but reconstructed to look like your world, but it's not your world, and let's just pretend you're there. Yeah, it's, I, I, I get it. It's, I get it. It's weird that after making Watchmen, you would say, like, I want to do a Superman movie now, because it's like you're... You just you just made a you did just make a Superman movie. You made a a, a movie for all superheroes, you know, Watchmen, where you're yeah. taking down everything that you that that we're watching, and but but now you're contributing to. Wait, what's going on? You know, it, it, it is a super bizarre thing. Here's my question: Now that they have yeah. the whole like doomsday clock thingy with the whatever, and it's all part of the same continuity and all this stuff, and since Snyder crafted the DCEU as we we learned that that's a made up name that some random person put in some article and as yeah. a joke and that was a thing. Anyway, since he you know sort of created that, and since he did Watchmen before that, and since his style is fairly consistent and everything, does that mean that Watchmen is actually the first film in the DCEU? Oh gosh, I hope not. <laughs> um. I didn't care for Watchmen a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, huh. Well, there's definitely an argument for it. Not an argument that I want to make, but definitely an argument for it. So It's an interesting like, thought to ponder. That is an interesting thought to ponder. So, all right, so coming out of Justice League, you're not, there's no needle, the, the needle doesn't move at all for you in terms of Terrio's involvement in episode nine. It's it's a wash. We know the production history. Terrio being on episode nine is still a good thing. No reason to worry about involvement or anything like that. I'm happy about it. I mean, Argo. 
Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's that, but also, I mean, I really do think that it's kind of like the case where, like, this guy obviously, I mean, if they brought him on, is because he had like an interesting take on something, right? You know, yeah. I, I really, really don't think that like J.J. Abrams saw like a rough cut of of Justice League and was like, "That's the voice that I need for Episode Nine. Get me Chris <laughs> Terrio. Get me Joss Whedon. Oh, he's busy. Okay, get me Chris Terrio." You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, you know. Yeah, I do. I, I hear you. Yeah, I, I mean, I consider it a push. It's, um, I liked Justice League. Uh, I, I'm going to watch it again at some point. I liked it enough to reconsider rewatching Batman versus Superman uh, without my angry helmet on. So, you know, episode Don't nine, you love we'll when that happens when, when you see a movie which is so good that you're like, I need to give the first movie in that series, another shot. And then you go back and you watch that first movie and you're like, nope, it's still garbage. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's how it always happens, right? Yeah. Oh, oh man, X2 is so good. I need to go out and buy the first one. (laughs) You know what? Thank you for being in the camp with me that the first X-Men movie is rather mediocre. Like I remember seeing it in the movie theater and I was like, yeah, it's okay. I hate the score. Oh, that score is terrible. Do you remember um, when the when the soundtrack came out? Because it was by Michael Kamen. And they were like, X-Men by K-Men. No, I don't remember that. I remember I, that. Th- that's got to be a suppressed memory, to be <laughs> honest with you. That's really got to... Oy, oy, oy. Um, yeah. No, yeah, that, that, was, that score was so blech. Um, but boy, they made and up I mean, you, with the second one, didn't they? Yeah. Oh no, they did. Yeah. X two until Nolan came along was uh, definitely in the discussion as one of the best uh, comic book movies ever made. It was really um, good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was it had a great arc. I mean, yeah. Honestly, you add Brian Cox, your movie immediately gets better. Yeah. That's pretty much a that's pretty much a rule for love of the game. Um, am I right? Yes. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sam Raimi's um, best, right? Well, yeah. All right. Is there a discussion about that? See, this is why I love you because this is the one person you you are the <laughs> one person in the world who I can have this conversation with, and they'll be like, "Yeah." Everyone else is like, "What's wrong with you?" What's wrong with them? That's what I I'm say. saying. What's That's wrong with what them? I'm saying. I still use the phrase "clear the mechanism." Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, such a <sighs> great movie. I have that movie on HD DVD. Wow. You're the guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's it's been um it's been fun talking about Chris Terrio. I I wonder if Batman versus Superman is looming large in our future. Uh I know that you did a commentary for Batman versus Superman over on commentary track stars. Uh so why don't you tell people about that and where else they can find you online? Yeah, if you go to commentarytrackstars.com, you can find our commentary for Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, Ultimate Cut, as it's called on screen. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's three hours long of us talking about uh, Batman versus Superman, and uh, it's, it's, it's mildly entertaining, I think. I don't know. It's delightful. Yeah, thanks. Delightful. <laughs> and um, you can also find me on uh, 
uh, Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can find me on Trek FM doing The Edge and also doing Stage 9 with you. That's right, with me. Uh, we do Stage 9 over on Trek.fm. You can find me back here on this network doing uh, Aggressive Negotiations with Matt Rushing, and you can find me out there floating in the ether co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig, and on the interwebs I am known as Kessel Junkie. So thank you for joining us on this journey, and we will see you next time on Great Shot Kid. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.